Now, many of us have heard messages on the subject of prayer, and many will admit, as I would myself, I don't pray as often as I should. And I think it's one of the greatest assets uh, to our success as Christians, yet it's the thing we do the least of. And one of the things is, is we need to tap into God. And what it is, is it's for God to change us and to move us and to work in our hearts and help us to be mindful of him and to have him on our heart and to have him on our mind and to be thinking with God. Our prayer life is one of the most powerful means of communicating and hearing from the Lord. And and we have the scriptures and they are wonderful and we need the scriptures, amen? Because it feeds the mind, it helps us grow. But do you know God desires to hear from you? (laughs) He desires to speak with you every day. And, and, and as I read in the scriptures, there's three watches. There's morning, noon, and night. So at least three times a day, God ought to hear from us. Yet the scriptures teach that we are to pray without ceasing, that there is an attitude of the heart that ought to be present in our lives as believers. I think when they came together for this particular prayer meeting, I can't imagine, and I don't know if you've ever been a part of something like this, but the place was shaken. You say, well, things just don't happen like that today. That is foolishness to believe that because I know of places that have been moved by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the thing of it is, is that God can move, and what he's looking for is for hearts to be knit together with his. And I thought about how we should consider the results of prayer here. And shortly after Pentecost... And think about the request that they were making. It wasn't for themselves. It was for the things of God to happen. Not that we might be known, but that he might be known. (laughs) That that he be lifted up. And they're looking to glorify the Father. It's a prayer of thanksgiving for the sovereignty of God, for deliverance from further opposition, but also a petition for boldness. And when is the last time you petitioned God or you asked God for boldness to witness on his behalf, to give me the strength and the power to speak with boldness the word of God to someone else. That power that we need when we go out. And by the way, if we go out in the flesh, nothing is accomplished. We must go out in the spirit. And so when you're meeting with someone or some family member or some friend or some neighbor or some coworker, or you're just meeting up with someone or you happen to run into someone in a, in a marathon or at a McDonald's or whatever and you're starting to share the gospel, listen, take just a second and ask God the Holy Spirit to fill you, to have control because he even tells us he'll give us the very words to speak whenever we come across someone. And so the challenge is this. When you pray, Calvary, Calvary members, young, seniors, youth, teenagers, when you pray, when you pray, are you asking God for revival? A heaven-sent revival. Not that we could boast about our numbers. Not that we could boast about how much comes in in an offering. Not that we could boast about what we've done in the past and what we've done in the present, but that we would ask for a heaven-sent revival for the glory of God. Asking God to do something. Now listen, we are incapable of anything, but God is capable of all things. And we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. And that strength comes through prayer. 
And that prayer is a prayer of asking God to help us speak with boldness the Word of God. As I thought about this, how many of you right now have a family member that you would just love to know that they were saved? Anybody? I've got some. My heart aches for my family at times. Not knowing. And here's the thing. It's not even like that they profess salvation or that they go to church. They just need to get saved. Amen. How many of you have a family member that's on your mind right now that, man, I would love for them to be saved. And here's the challenge for you now. How many of you have a family member that's within proximity to this church that you would love to know that they are saved? And that God could use someone from Calvary to go and share the gospel with that individual that they might know Jesus Christ as their Savior. A family member. Someone who, when you think about it, is close to hell because we don't know when he's coming again. So close to hell that it could break at any moment and Christ could come again and there is no more time. Do you have a family member that you love that much that you would like to see them get saved? What about a friend? How many of you have a friend whom you love and care about and desire to see them be saved? Or not only a friend, maybe a neighbor, maybe a co-worker, maybe a business owner that you really want to see them get saved. Now, I want to challenge you with this. We have this revival coming up. This revival, we have a young man coming in to preach. His name is Dwight Smith. And if we as a church body really desire to see revival... We will go to God in sincere prayer and we will begin to invite folks and we will begin to share with folks the gospel and God can start the revival before the meeting begins. He can do that. However, if we just come to the services and we just come as a group of people to maybe hear the singing and the preaching here and then we just leave... And we just have someone who spoke and we just have a group of people that met. Nothing happens. Because we need the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not floating over this auditorium. The Holy Ghost is in everyone who believes. And if you're a saved individual, the Holy Ghost resides in you. And therefore, we can ask God to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That the Holy Spirit have control of the meeting. That the Holy Spirit have control of us as we go and we ask that family member or that friend or that neighbor or that co-worker or that business person or a person that you just happen to run into. God the Holy Spirit can fill us and take control and give us the words to speak. When praying for the lost, ask the Lord to move upon your heart. Pray for opportunities. When is the last time you prayed that God provide you an opportunity to win a lost soul to him? You got on your knees, and by the way, do you believe it's the will of God for people to get saved? If it is God's will, then we are given all that we need to be able to witness to a lost soul. We're given everything we need. In fact, we print tracts so that you even have tools and things that you can leave them with. You have a Bible. You have the Word of God. You can share the gospel with them. And just like one day you got saved, they can get saved. And it can happen. And it will happen. And God is looking for a group of people who come together with sincere prayer in their heart to watch God move. And by the way, 
There's nothing special about this guy standing at the pulpit at all. And I've been praying for God to allow my wife and my family to intervene in other people's lives that they might get saved. And I've been asking God to move, and, and so there's nothing special. And it's just as hard for me and my family to witness to someone as it is for you and your family to do the same. But the fact is, it never negates the fact that we need to do it. <laughs> never ceases. Never stops. And we need to challenge ourselves to do so. Sincere prayer. I believe it's going to take sincere prayer when praying for the lost, ask God to move upon your heart to pray for opportunities to witness. And let's pray as Paul requested. Listen to this. This is in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. A door of utterance. A, a moment in time. A portal. Just a little opening. Lord, would you give that to us? Just that moment where we can share the gospel with someone else and they can get saved. But do you know what else happens in revival? People who have walked away from God begin to come back to God. People who are not walking with the Lord are now walking with God again. Why? Because we purposefully pray for them. And we take it to God in prayer. And God begins to move. So pray also that God would open that opportunity up. Not just for pastor, not just for the deacons, but for God to provide you with an opportunity to win a lost soul to Christ. Now, I believe there's two powerful results here from this prayer meeting. And underline this in your Bible if you do. When they had prayed, the place was shaken. <laughs> now, I want to ask you something. When is the last time you were in a prayer meeting where the place was shaken? Where God entered in, where the Holy Spirit began to intervene in that meeting. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues and rolling on the floor and speaking some gibberish. I'm talking about a God-sent prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, things begin to happen. Now, what this means is, is that when they began to pray, this was supernatural, and God intervened in this situation. And, and what happens is the place became agitated. It, it began to, to, to get stirred up about God. It began to get stirred up about their Savior. And, and so you think about that agitation, just like a, a washing machine and the agitator that's in the center of it. You put those clothes in there, and it begins to slosh them around, and it begins to get the dirt out, and then it begins to rinse those clothes, and it begins to wash the dirt away. And the thing of it is, the idea is, is the place was shaken, and, and these people became agitated, but in a sense of agitated with the Holy Spirit of God in their lives. God moving. In their lives. As I thought about this, when is the first time or the last time Calvary watched this church be moved by the power of the Holy Spirit of God? When's the last time that happened? <laughs> Have you been in this church and watched God, the Holy Spirit, move? Do you recall that? Do you remember that? Do you remember what that was like? And I challenge you, pray for it to come again if you have. If you've never seen it, let's pray for it to happen. <laughs> Let's pray for God to begin to work. This is not a message, uh, uh, but a message from God. It's not just any message. This is God's message. And it's God's message for the people that are sitting in this room today that God wants to move, and God wants to do something, and God wants to win souls to Christ, and God wants to use you, and God wants to take Calvary to a different level. God wants to do this, and we have to be willing to do our part. Are you agitated enough to do so? <laughs> Are you stirred enough to win a lost soul to Christ? 
Jonathan Edwards, how many of you know who I'm speaking of? He wrote a message in July 8th, 1741. He preached it in two locations. The first location up in Massachusetts. They're not sure what happened. But when he was in Enfield, uh, Connecticut, something began to happen. And Jonathan Edwards began to preach. And he preached a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And when he began to preach that message, some amazing things happened that day. And there's some wonderful accounts as to what happened that day. But the people were so moved by the power of the Holy Ghost. And people were beginning to pray in the auditorium. And and it got so strong and so heavy inside that auditorium that people began to cry out from the pews, How can I get saved? And by the way, we have actual accounts of that stuff written down. People that were present that day. These people were so close to hell. And I want you to understand something. Walking on this earth, we are close to hell. I want you to know the only reason you're not is because it's by the power of the hand of God that holds us. And if you're saved, it's God's hand that's keeping you from hell. But how many people are walking across this earth? Your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, people that are about to become destined for hell. And you say, when will it happen? When will it happen? I don't know, but I know it's very thin and they're walking on it. And I want you to understand this. We can flatter ourselves all we want to and we can make ourselves believe that we're so wonderful and we're so great. But I want to tell you something in comparison to my Heavenly Father. We are nothing and we are sinners saved by grace. And we need Jesus Christ in this church and we need Him to start to do a work and we need a people that are going to come together and we need a people that going to do what God has called us to do and we're going to begin to win souls to Jesus Christ because of the power of God and the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives. And God is able. I began to look at the scriptures. He preached that message out of Deuteronomy 32-35. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. There is a day of judgment coming. And you say, I'm good, I'm saved. But preacher, don't tell me what to do. Preacher, don't you stand up there and point that finger at me, and don't you tell me how to live my life. Don't you say anything to me like that because I know where I'm destined to. I know that heaven is my home and I'm going to live my life the way I want to now. And I'm going to do what I want to on my terms. And and I don't care what God's word says anymore. And I know I'm saved, but I'm going to stay in fellowship with me. And it's more important what I want to accomplish than what, what God wants to accomplish in my life. How many of you sitting in here right now used to serve God? Used to do something for him and are not today? How many people should be in this church today that used to serve God, that are not doing anything for God today? And the reality is, is how close are they? You know, when I stand before my Heavenly Father, I certainly want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But what is he going to say to the man who decided that his 401k plan and his retirement plan was more important than reaching someone with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? That the house of God is so unimportant that only one service is important. It's not important to be in the house of God. It's not important to support the work of God. It's not important for me to do those things. Listen, I put my check in that offering plate, preacher, and I'm going to tell you right now, I do that. And I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I'm going to go to whatever service I want to do. And don't tell me any different. You say, man, preacher, I don't like you right now. It's okay. 
okay. God, the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. He wants to do something. He wants to use this church. There are people who need to get saved. And there are people's hearts who need to get right with God. And you can say all you want to, and you can flatter yourself all you want to, but God's people need to get right with God. Our nation needs a change. It is said in accounts at the Edenfield, Connecticut, Jonathan Edwards was interrupted many times before finishing the sermon by people moaning and crying out. When's the last time you've been in a service where someone moaned or cried out and said they need to get saved? When's the last time you've been around where people began to come to the altar and pray and, and, and folks began to come and get their hearts right with God? It began to change, and, and God really began to move in their lives. And here's our challenge. Can we as a church body call upon God to move upon the hearts of the unsaved? Can we call upon God as a church body to move upon the unsaved, that they might trust Christ? Can we come to the place where we're in the midst of a sermon, and there's a cry out, what shall I do to be saved? Can we be a part of something like that? Can revival begin to happen right here at Calvary. Well, I want to tell you, the God who Peter served in that prayer meeting here in this Bible, and I believe with all of my heart, the members of the First Church of Christ up in Edenfield, Connecticut, and the message that Jonathan Edwards preached that day, the God that they're speaking of and the God that they serve is the same God we serve today, Amen. right now. He is able. God is capable of doing this. The place was shaken. It was agitated. When uh, I was young, I had an opportunity to go to the tobacco fields. I say opportunity, right? Like it was great. And I went and picked tobacco when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. Well, when we went up there, we stayed in Quonson huts. How many of you know what a Quonson hut is? Any military guy ought to know what that is, right? What a Quonson hut is? And we had bunks and we had foot lockers and we did all the things that you would like as if you were in the military. And we woke up every day at 5 o'clock. Every day at 5 o'clock, we were up. And we had to go, and we had to pack our lunch, and we had to eat breakfast, and we got on a bus, and they took us out in the field and worked us all day. And what would happen is we'd go out and we'd pick tobacco. If you've never picked tobacco, you have no idea how much nicotine's in a leaf. I used to wear a bandana on my head around this way just to keep the nicotine out of my hair. And, and I would wear that thing day after day after day to the point where I could take it off and sit it down, and it would keep its shape from the nicotine that was on the on the thing. So if you don't think nicotine's bad, let me tell you, it's bad. And if it's going to stick to that, I wonder what it does to our lungs, right? So it just sits on that thing. So I would go and I would wash my clothes and we had ringer washers. How many of you remember what a ringer washer is, huh? And, and, and we would go back there and we only had, each side only had three washers, so you had to sign up and you had to wash your clothes. And listen, you wanted to get on that list, because you wanted the nicotine out of your clothes because you'd wake up in the morning and go to put your pants on and they were stiff and you didn't want them like that. But what we would do is we'd take them and we'd push them down inside that washing machine and we'd turn that thing on and we'd put our detergent in there and it'd sit there and that agitator would run back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes you'd have to wash them clothes two, three, four times before you could get that nicotine out of them. But that agitator would do its job if you allowed it. Let the Holy Ghost stir you up. Let him agitate you a little bit. 
Let him get to you just a little bit. And the thing of it is, is don't squelch. Don't quench the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You can hear a pastor preach a message like this. You say, I'm tuning that out. I don't want to hear it. Or you can allow the Holy Ghost to agitate your heart and say, you know what? There's some things I ought to be doing. There's some things I ought to be after. There's some things that I need to allow the Holy Ghost just to take over. I need to let the Spirit fill me. Take control, Lord. Help me. Help me to be the witness that I need to be for you. Help me to have a good testimony, Lord, in my community and to the people around me. Help me, Lord, to take my heart, my mind to the point where I'm stirred by the things of God. I remember putting soap in that machine sometimes, and it would start to stir that till the soap had no power anymore. And you'd have to put more in. And you'd put more in, and it would agitate those clothes for a while until the soap would dissipate. It was so dirty that the soap was of no use. And I want to tell you something. Sometimes we're so dirty that we think by picking the Word of God up one time, it's going to cleanse us. It's not going to do it. We need the continual filling of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, and it comes through the power of the Word of God in prayer. Amen. And we need to be agitated a little bit. We need to get stirred up a little bit. We need to let God really work in our lives. And I challenge you today, are you allowing the Holy Ghost to stir you to the place where a place just like today, the place could be shaken with the power of the Holy Spirit. The thought that comes to mind to illustrate the magnitude of what was happening as a result of this prayer meeting is found here in Acts. And I thought about this. If you turn to Acts 16 with me, if you would. Turn to Acts 16. If you're with me, say amen. I want you to look at Acts 16. Look at verse 25. Acts 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas did what? What did they do? They prayed. Now watch this. And sang praises unto God. Now, wait a minute. Folks, let me get your attention for a minute. If I said, now listen, after we're done with our evening service, tonight we're coming back at midnight. We're going to pray. At midnight. And we're going to sing praises unto God tonight. How many would be willing? Well, hey, I got to get up at, anybody with me? I, I got, I got, I, I let me, God, hey, I got stuff. You say, well, wait a minute, these guys were in jail, man. They got thrown in jail. They didn't have anything to do but sit around. Yeah, they could have sat around, but that's not what they did. The Bible says in the midnight, they did what? Prayed and sang praises unto God. That's that third watch, isn't it? They're singing praises unto God. And as you look at this, I want you to notice, and the prisoners heard them. So who heard them doing it? The wicked, the ungodly. And what were they doing? Praying and singing praises unto God. And the ungodly, the wicked, the sinners, heard that. Well, what happened? And suddenly, there was a great, what? Earthquake. 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. <laughs> what were they doing? Praying and singing praises unto God. And the place as an earthquake was done what? Shaken. Same word as used over in Acts. And the place was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. You know what I like in that too? When God's people are praying and God's people are praising God, sometimes the sinners, the bands get loosed and the doors get open. Amen? That we would pray with all praying that just a door of utterance, a little portal would open, that we might have an opportunity to win the lost to Christ. That that little door of utterance would open that we may speak the mystery of Christ to someone today. And I look to this and I see this. And this was a group that was praying to an almighty God, expecting him to show himself. In their meeting, as did Peter and the group, they expected God to show himself. Hey, do you expect God to show up today? Or did you just come to church? He said, man, it was hard enough to see my butt out of bed. <laughs> I had to roll out of here, man. I, I didn't even get to wash my hair. I just patted it down with some water. <laughs> I just barely made it here. Or did you prepare your heart this morning? Did you spend some time in prayer saying, God, I'm looking forward to meeting with you today? I'm praying for something to happen at Calvary this morning. Lord, I'm asking for visitors and guests. God, I'm praying for souls to get saved, not just youth, not just little children. I'm asking God that maybe you might bring a family that knows not Jesus Christ and that they would get saved. How many of you prayed that way this morning before you came to church? Or did you just pray, boy, God, please, don't let pastor go too long. <laughs> God, help that man not to preach too long. I want to challenge you with this. As pastor of Calvary, I'm pleading with this congregation. Pray. 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 Asking God to do what? To help revival to come. Where? To Calvary. To our community. To this country. To our nation. Pray. I believe the power is in the prayer. And God can shake this place and fill it with the Holy Ghost. The Lord provides the Spirit to speak with confidence as well. I want you to look at the latter part of this verse. And he said, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God. How, folks? With boldness. Boldness is not anger. Boldness is not nastiness. And boldness is not being mean. Boldness is, is I'm going to tell you the truth. That's the boldness. There are so many people who think that they're going to get to heaven, and they flatter themselves with this, folks. They flatter themselves that perhaps that they are a member of a church and they flatter themselves that they're on their way to heaven. And they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Who's sitting in here this morning that's flattering themselves thinking that they have a relationship with Christ and do not? And they're sitting here thinking that heaven is their home and yet you really don't remember a time where you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save your soul and take you to heaven. And I'm challenging you here this morning, if you're in that condition, listen, you're closer to hell than anyone else sitting in this auditorium. And you don't know when that's going to collapse. And you don't know when the hell's going to open up and it's going to swallow up man and woman and child and all that have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. There is a sin unto death. I say that you not pray for it, but there is. And the challenge is this. How many of my family... My friends, my neighbors, 
my coworkers, someone in the business community or someone that I just run into, that the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart and saying, tell them, tell them the truth, tell them the truth. And he says, speak with boldness. That means tell them that hell is their destiny unless they trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Pastor, that's just too harsh today. You got to walk up on them. You got to sneak up on them. You got you to gotta really deal with their emotions and their feelings. No, you need to tell them Jesus Christ died for their sin. And the Bible clearly says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ in Romans 1.16. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, the power is not in what we say. The power is in who we talk about. The power is in the one who can say, it is not in me. It is not in my flesh to witness to someone. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, I can. And I can speak with boldness. And you can too. <laughs> and if you're saved this morning, you have the same Holy Ghost that pastor has. It's not some different Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same spirit. We have a meeting called a revival August 26th. And Dwight Smith's coming. And I began to think about this. D.L. Moody said about a revival. If it's, it's, it, it's not when people come here to hear the singing or the preaching. But when they come to pray that we have a sure sign of a coming harvest. One of the most well-attended services in an independent fundamental Baptist church ought to be our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. Why? Because that's where we tap into the power of God. That's where we come together and we pray as a church body seeking God in unity and asking God to move upon our hearts to do what needs to be done. It's one of my favorite services of the week. <laughs> asking God to move. Pray for the Lord to provide you times of witnessing that he'll bring forth revival. These men and women in this meeting were filled with the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? They were influenced. <laughs> they were influenced by God. And God began to supply them with what they needed. And they were allowing God to influence their heart and influence their movements and influence their actions. And he began to move upon those hearts. And specifically to accomplish or to furnish them with what they need to speak the word of God with boldness. I believe this place was shaking because this group came together to meet with God. And this was not another Pentecost, but it was definitely a spirit-filled meeting. <laughs> it was a spirit-filled meeting. A meeting where people of God came together to meet with God. Did you come to meet with God this morning? You got something else on your mind? Did you come to meet with God this morning? Or you got something else on your mind? And I challenge you this morning just to think about this. Application can be made that this union was also a union not only of material items, but created an environment of spiritual unity. Spiritual unity. I have a list here, and I'm going to put this out. I'm going to give it out early because we've got some time to pray. And what this is, is I want to do a 24-hour prayer vigil leading up to the revival. I don't have time for that, preacher. I want to challenge you to have time for it. I want to challenge you in your hearts to come. One hour. Jesus challenged his own disciples and he said, could you not watch and pray for one hour? Just for an hour? Couldn't you hold on? And the challenge is this, why are we going to come over here and pray? I'm not talking about doing this at your house. I'm talking about coming over to the house of God. I'm talking about getting on your knees and for one hour just praying and saying, preacher, what are we going to pray about? Those family members, those friends, those neighbors, those co-workers, 
those business people, that person that you could come across in the community that you might reach out to and share the gospel with them, that folks will begin to walk through the door, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, people will even be drawn to this building, to this place in the time of that meeting, August 26th through the 29th. We're going to do the prayer meeting on a Friday and a Saturday. It starts at 6 o'clock on a Friday, goes till 6 o'clock on a Saturday. And multiple people can come and pray. Multiple people can come to the house of God and pray. And here's the challenge. Throughout the next two months, can we be inviting and witnessing to the lost, nourishing ourselves up in the words of faith and encouraging the weak that are backslidden, backslidden to attend? Asking people, hey, listen, let's go to the house of God. We'll have flyers for you. We'll give those to you. You can hand those out and everything else, and that's all wonderful and good, but challenge yourself that God would give you a door of utterance, that he would open that portal, that he would give you a chance to invite someone who maybe even have never donned the doors of a local church, that they might come to the house of God. As I thought about this, throughout the next two months, we can do this. And why would we do this? Because the Bible teaches us to have boldness. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. Hebrews chapter 10. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. And I've preached to you out of Hebrews for months and months and months and months and months now. And what we've been preaching out of here is that people wanted to go back into the world. Or they wanted to go back to their old ways. They wanted to go back to sacrificing. They wanted to have something that they could visibly see. They weren't willing to trust God by the power of the Holy Spirit. They just wanted something tangible. And they wanted to see something. And so God said, no, what you need is Jesus Christ. There's a new covenant come. And he gives grace. And he gives mercy. And he saves souls. And he's the perfect sacrifice. And in so being this, he says in verse 25 of chapter 10, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. That doesn't mean that if you sin, you get unsaved and you can't get saved again. That simply means Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice. It was once for all. There are no more sacrifices now. And he says in verse 27, But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses, uh, uh, Moses uh, uh, law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much more, uh, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be through uh, thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God. And hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. And notice verse 31, and you ought to underline this in your Bible. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And God is loving. And God is grace, and God is mercy, but the wrath of God's coming one day. And there will be a day of judgment, and there will be a day of reconciliation. And I want you to understand, anyone that knows not Jesus Christ as their Savior, hell is their destiny. That's where they're going. And listen to this. Even when they think time has gone by, and a billion years has passed, and they've been there what seemingly is an eternity, they will spend an eternity separated from God. 
No matter what any other religion teaches you, the Bible teaches about an eternal separation from God. And that family member, and that friend that you love, and that neighbor, and that co-worker, and that person that you come across, that person's life is destined for an eternal hell, spiritually separated from God for all eternity. And God has placed Calvary Chapel here, and He has given you and placed the Holy Spirit of God inside of you to be a testimony unto those people that they might get saved and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they may not spend an eternity in hell separate from God, apart from God, they're never getting out. It's not going to happen. And you can light as many candles as you want, you can say as many prayers as you want, and they're not getting out of hell. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit Move upon your heart in such a way, agitate you in such a way that you'd be willing to speak the word of God with boldness to the lost. Folks, I can't preach any more passionate to you. I can't tell you how heavy, heavy, heavy my heart is right now. I am praying for God to bring a heaven-sent revival to this church. That you folks will start turning in such a way that you can't help but witness. You can't help but win the lost. We've got vacation Bible time coming up. We've got this revival coming up. And I believe just as Jonathan Edwards warned them in that day, I'm warning you today, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know hell is real. But heaven's just as beautiful. And they can either spend an eternity apart from God or they can spend an eternity with God. And you have the cure. And you have the answer. And you have the ability to open up that old-fashioned Bible and show them how they can know for sure if they died, heaven could be their home. You can't control their decision, but you sure can be a witness for Christ. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 12. Would you turn there with me? I believe as Christians, sometimes we're so thoughtless maybe about the day. We walk this day thinking it will always be. That it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be this way. The things are always going to go as they've gone. And yet there's a coming day of the Lord and he will show forth his wrath. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Everybody with me? Say amen. I want you to look at this verse. And as we look at these verses, I want you to challenge yourself to really think about what they're saying. Second Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8. It's talking about delay. He says, but beloved, so he's speaking to the saved. He said, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of, the Lord, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat? He said, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. But my challenge to you is this. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? What should we be like? Knowing that this is fact and true, <laughs> what should we be like? What should be our spirit, our attitude, our heart? What should we be like? I have an uncle, Ralph, who was in the Korean War. And then uh, he was in World War II, the latter part of it. And then he spent time in Korea. And then Uncle Ralph got out of the military and he went to work for the steel mills in Pittsburgh down in Elizabeth. And Uncle Ralph worked and saved and saved and saved and put all his money away. <laughs> Kept all his stuff. Buying stuff, accumulating stuff, putting stuff away, talking about how much money he had. And Uncle Ralph retired from the steel mills in Elizabeth, down in the Pittsburgh area. And when he retired, he walked away, and he had a great deal of money. He had a great deal of so-called success with the mills. <laughs> Two weeks later, they diagnosed him with terminal cancer. Cancer was so bad inside his body, he didn't make it. He died two weeks. Guess how much money he spent that he earned? Not a dime. There are things that we're saving for and hoping for and striving for and pushing for and trying to. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have a 401k plan. And I'm not saying it's not wrong, that it's wrong to save for retirement. But when that becomes my God and God becomes less important to me than that, there's a problem in there. And when we think we need that more than we need God, you'll find out how great God is. <laughs> and the challenge to us is this this morning. Are you willing to come together as a church body? A body of believers. Mike Sloan doesn't have some other Holy Spirit in him than I do. We have the same one. <laughs> same with me and Chris. So why can't we meet in the unity of the faith and get together and get on our knees and begin to pray in sincere prayer to the place is shaken, agitated, moved by the Holy Spirit to do one thing, one thing. Speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray.